It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. Gonna need the uh, long johns, the fireball, those portable heaters, whatever it takes to stay warm at tailgating this morning. Bison Nation, it is a bitterly cold one out there as the FCS playoffs get underway for North Dakota State this afternoon at the Fargo Dome. 2.30 p.m. matchup against the Montana Grizzlies, and we got ourselves a wind chill advisory this morning until 10 a.m. It's negative 30 below with wind chill. So you know it's going to be a very brisk tailgater at the west lots of the Fargo Dome. They're talking 14-degree uh, temps at kickoff. I know the game is inside, but folks got to go outside to do the tailgating in Montana State. I'd be interested to hear from Coach Bobby Hawk. We were, uh, my wife and I, were down at a funeral in South Dakota Thursday and Friday, and driving back on I-29 yesterday, we ran into some of that weather in the wind. She was a uh, howling, trying to land a plane with 40 to 50 mile per hour gusts. I don't know what time the Grizz got in yesterday. Of course, the game in the friendly confines of the Fargo Dome, and much has been made of the Grizzlies quarterback, Lucas Johnson. Dude is completing 61% of his passes, 21 touchdowns on the year, seven interceptions, throwing for just a shade under 200 yards per game. I don't get it. We've been down this road before, Bison Nation, and I want to elaborate on that. This morning on Heard It Here, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton, And, of course, Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for the made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. We've seen this movie, all right, twofold. One, when NDSU plays Big Sky opponents. It typically works out pretty well for North Dakota State. The Bison are absolutely rolling historically. They're 17-3. and 17-3. That's an 85% winning percentage in their Division I history against Big Sky Conference opponents. The last few of them have been walkaways. You remember the national championship game against Montana State last January? Remember the last time Montana came to the Fargo Dome? to play the herd in the playoffs in 2015. Do you remember when NDSU played a very tough Eastern Washington team led by Eric Berrier in the FCS national title game? North Dakota State offensively marched those Big Sky teams up and down the field. You can talk about Lucas Johnson and quarterback play all you want. And many have this week because I suppose you need to talk about something and you can't say North Dakota State's going to rush. I told Dan and Doug 
on the KFGO morning show on Wednesday morning. And I've been telling buddies this all week. I think NDSU, and, I, and it's only a little bit tongue-in-cheek, there's a lot of truth in this. I think NDSU might put up 500 yards rushing. In the season finale, the brawl of the wild against Montana State, the Bobcats rushed for 440 yards against the Grits with their, you know, 3-3-5 rush stack defense, whatever they like to do. Call it gimmicky. I don't know, but I like the fact the Bison are coming off a bye week and have had two weeks to prepare for that defense. I love the fact that North Dakota State has playoff experience at every single position. They are battle-tested. I love the fact that the Bison have the best offensive line in the FCS. If you want to beat North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome, in the playoffs, the formula to do that is not some flashy, high-flying quarterback. It's coming into the Dome, being physical, standing toe-to-toe, and going punch for punch with North Dakota State. The teams that have come into the Dome, whether it's in the regular season or in the postseason, and have hung with North Dakota State or even beat them, have been able to do that. It wasn't some otherworldly quarterback play in those games. Think back to 2016, Brian Shore for James Madison. He didn't beat NDSU by himself, slinging the ball 40 times for 300 yards. They matched up with NDSU, a beat-up NDSU team, but they ran the ball. They played physical football. Some other close contests in the playoffs, that's NDSU's only playoff loss ever in the Fargo Dome. The Bison are something like 33-1 and in the Dome in their playoff history. But there have been some close calls, so let's take a look at those. 2012 against Wofford. What did Wofford do? They slowed down the game, and they ran the ball all the time. Now, they only put up seven points, but they were a physical team, and they were run-oriented. 2012, excuse me, yeah, 2012 again, 2012 again, that same year. That was that epic Georgia Southern 2 game where NDSU won 23-20. to Brock, and Jensen, Brock Jensen's touchdown on fourth and three late in the game, and then a blocked field goal on the ensuing drive by the Bison defense securing the win. What did Georgia Southern do? They were physical. They established a run game, and they went toe-to-toe in the trenches with North Dakota State. Even a team like South Dakota State, who the Bison have played four times in the Dome in the playoffs, the Bison are 4-0, with a quarterback in Taron Christian, who had beat North Dakota State two times, none of them in the playoffs. In the playoffs, South Dakota State was not able physically to hang with the Bison. The Bison imposed their will on the Jack Rabbits. Think back to that 2018 semifinal contest where Easton Stick, the juggernaut, ran for something like a buck fifty, threw for a couple touchdowns, and ran for a couple touchdowns. Those are games where teams had an opportunity late in the contest. Coastal Carolina one year gave NDSU all it could handle. How did it do that? Well, a big kickoff return for a touchdown help. 
teams that have come in trying to sling it. 2014, North Dakota State just demolishes Sam Houston State. Jared Johnson, we heard a lot about that guy going into the game. This high-flying quarterback, he finished the game 20-31 for 227 yards. He was sacked five times and had an interception. Brady, Brady Gustafson, Montana's quarterback in 2015, remember the Bison lost in the season opener out in Montana that year. The Bison throttled the Grizz in the playoffs. Gustafson, their quarterback, at the Dome, 23 of 46, 229, four interceptions, and three sacks. Kyle Laletta, one of the best quarterbacks in the last 10 years of FCS football, had a decent career in the National Football League for Richmond in the semifinals in 2015. Another guy supposed to be looking out for Kyle Laletta, going to come in here and sling the ball. 12-26 for a buck 71, two interceptions. He was sacked three times. And the hits keep on coming. Are you sensing a pattern? Buys a nation. When we're told that there's some dude coming in here for the other team that's this really, really good quarterback. 2017, Jeremiah Briscoe, maybe my favorite on this list. Semifinal game. Sam Houston comes into the dome. This Jeremiah Briscoe dude, we're hearing about how, oh, man, he's good. He's got a cannon. He's got a rifle. He's mobile. He's going to throw that. Football all around the Fargo Dome. 29 of 51. Three interceptions compared to one touchdown. The Bison were all over Briscoe's backside that day. 2020, Eric Berrier in the spring season comes into the Fargo Dome. Another high-flying quarterback. 17 of 28. One touchdown, one interception, sacked five times. If Montana thinks they're going to come into the Fargo Dome or any of these pundits or prognosticators are telling you or your buddy at tailgating or chubs or wherever you're partaking at Twin Peaks saying the Bison, Lucas Johnson, man, he's going to be slinging it. You tell them everything you just heard from your pal Swanee. The Bison are going to get after Lucas Johnson. Montana is not very good at running the football. If they're one-dimensional and they're forced to pass and they're in third and long and second and long, that cold green defense, which has been playing a lot better the last month and a half in generating pressures, in getting after quarterbacks. Look at what they did to Nick Baker a few weeks ago. Look at what they did to Nick Baker in the playoffs last year. That was another dude. In the valley, knows the bison, has beaten the bison. He's going to come in here and he's going to be running it and he's going to be throwing it. 23 of 32 for 220, one touchdown, three sacks. If Montana struggles to run the ball, which they have this season, going into the game this afternoon, as far as rushing offense, Montana's 39th in the country. If North Dakota State shuts down the run and Johnson's got a pass, he's going to get banged up because Code Green is going to be bringing it and he ain't going to be slinging it. That's the story 
my friends. Not the fact that this dude has 21 touchdown passes, throws up 50-50 balls, has these big, tall, lanky receivers. NDSU, one of the strengths of this defense is its secondary, and they've played so many good quarterbacks this year. Every week we're seemingly hearing, whether it's Tommy Schuster or Nick Baker or Mark Gronowski, insert the name of any given team's quarterback, The Bison have played some really, really good quarterbacks, and I'm not saying Lucas Johnson isn't a good quarterback. What I am saying is that in the last 10, 11 years, if you're going to come into the Fargo Dome and have a shot at knocking off the Bison in the playoffs, the formula to do that hasn't been throwing the ball 50 times for 300-plus yards. When teams have tried that, their quarterbacks have gotten beat to snot. Look at all those sack totals that I just talked about. NDSU pinned their ears back and imposed their will physically on those football teams. I think that's a huge story in this contest. I think another huge story is the fact that if North Dakota State is running the ball like they have been doing, like they've run the ball against Big Sky teams, and scoring and scoring and scoring and rushing and rushing and rushing. That puts a lot of pressure on Montana to try to keep up in limited opportunities. In a game of keep away, when NDSU, look at what they did against North Dakota. They controlled the ball. Look at what they did in the latter stages of that Southern Illinois game. They ran and controlled the ball. Look at what they did at Western Illinois and Illinois State before that. The last month of the season, the Bison rushing attack has been absolutely on fire. And when the Bison have needed a big down pass, Cam Miller's been there. Cam Miller has delivered. That third and seven against North Dakota, backed up in the shadow of his own end zone, he finds DJ Hart streaking down the sideline for like a 71-yard gain. Now, that throw in and of itself was impressive because Cam had talked in the post game about how he was looking for another read, saw Hart with, with man on the edge, and went to him, dialed it up. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch. The Bison also trusted Cam Miller in that situation on a third and seven. Anytime you are backed up inside your own 20-yard line in the shadow of your own end zone, and it's third and seven, and you have the lead. North Dakota State had, what, a 14-0 lead there at that point? running the ball very, very well. Defense was playing very, very well. That coaching staff, Matt Entz and Tyler Roll and Randy Hedberg, what impresses me about that, they dialed up a pass play. They trusted Cam Miller on a third and seven to convert in that situation early in the contest where they had the game in control going how they wanted in the safe play. In that situation, rather than risking a turnover, a lot of coaches, even South Dakota State with a guy like Gronowski, I know they're the number one team in the country, the majority of coaches in that situation are going to call a run play or some sort of safe pass, a rollout where you've got one read, and if it's not there, you tuck and run or you throw the ball away, you punt and you live to fight another down. NDSU, the fact they trusted Cam in that situation with that play call and pass, I think that says a lot about where Cam Miller in this Bison offense is. 
when the Bison needed some big third-down conversions late against Southern Illinois, they trusted Cam to throw the ball, and Mathis had a really, really big catch to keep a drive going. So I think this afternoon, the formula is the same as it's always been. I think the Bison will run the ball. I think there will be some wrinkles. We'll talk about that after the break. One of the things this Bison team have done historically in the playoffs is they don't reinvent the offense. There's no trickeration. You're not reinventing who you are, but they've added some wrinkles. Now, we saw that last year in the postseason. If if you had to put a $10 bill down on who NDSU's leading rusher was in the postseason last winter, who would you pick? Out of all the dudes toting the rock for the herd, who was their leading rusher in the playoffs? Quincy Patterson. Quincy Patterson, the cat that started the year at quarterback. Miller comes in game seven against Missouri State, takes the reins, hasn't looked back. That quarterback run stuff with Quincy, that was put in for the playoffs. We started to see different usage with Hunter Lipke in the playoffs. Now, doesn't sound like he's going to be playing today, but I would suspect we're going to see something, whether it's that quarterback run game from Cam or Cole Payton, whether they've got some Delta stuff out of the backfield with all those other running backs. We saw uh, Kobe Johnson running that wheel out of the backfield against Southern Illinois. NDSU is putting up over 34 points per game this year, playing in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, the toughest conference in the FCS. And for whatever reason, their offense gets much maligned when, in fact, they're doing pretty gosh darn well. And I think we're going to see that this afternoon. Coming up on Heard It Here with Swanee. We're going to get into that a little bit more. Some of those wrinkles. We talked about the Cole Payton stuff, maybe the Cam Miller run game. Some other wrinkles we might see this afternoon against Montana at the Fargo Dome. Coming up next on Heard It Here. On the road to Frisco, the journey starts this afternoon. 2.30 kick at the Fargo Dome. It's North Dakota State playing the 8-4 Montana Grizzlies who went 4 in four in big sky play. One of their top running backs, maybe even their top two running backs are dinged up. One of them was wearing a sling after their win last weekend, 34-24 in the opening round of the playoffs against Southeast Missouri State. Unknown whether he'll play today. And we talked before the break about wrinkles. Special teams aren't wrinkles. They're a big part of a football game, and that's how Montana came back from the dead, trailing 24-3. to Midway through, there was 8 minutes and 41 seconds last Saturday night in Missoula. Montana was getting worked by something called Southeast Missouri State. You want to know why I think NDSU is going to rush for 500 yards? Keep listening. Montana's down 24-3 to at home against SEMO. And then, after going up 24-3 on a three-yard touchdown run by Geno Hess, Montana gives up an 80-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. That's not a very good kick. If your kicker's pooching it or only kicking the ball to the 20-yard line, you got a problem because you're going to give the other team great field position no matter what. But they let Montana back in the game with an 80-yard kickoff return. They're dead to rights. They get a sign of life. It's 24-10. Then Simo, maybe panicking a little, maybe starting to pucker up, 
They go three and out. And Montana gets the ball back. Quick drive, four plays, 69 yards, one minute, 18 seconds, 24 to 17. All of a sudden, the game that was just a three-touchdown contest and lead for SEMO, Montana, has crawled back from the dead in the span of three and a half minutes. It's 24 to 17, and they go three and out again to SEMO. And what does Montana do? 58-yard punt return for a touchdown to tie the contest 24 up. That was ball game at that point. SEMO, in the span of four minutes, gave up an 80-yard kickoff return and a 58-yard punt return, despite the fact the majority of that contest, they outplayed the Grizz. When you give up explosive plays like that in special teams, Montana, who statistically is one of the best special teams units in the country, they're number one in net punting, they're number 12 in punt returns, and they're number two in kick returns. You will bet North Dakota State watching the tape of that SEMO game is very, very aware of that. Matt Ants talked about it earlier this week saying NDSU needs to be very assignment sound and staying in their lanes on punt and kick return coverage. Don't let them get the cheap one. Don't let them get an easy touchdown on a punt return or a kick return. If Montana wants to hang in this contest, because physically, I don't think they stack up against the herd. I watched that Montana State versus Montana game, and Montana State, who did not stack up physically against the herd last January, just bulldozered Montana. Montana State in the first half of the Brawl of the Wild two weeks ago, there was like two minutes left in the first half of that contest, and they hadn't even attempted a pass yet. Montana State made like North Dakota State against the Grizz. They only threw the ball 10 times the entire contest in rushing for 440 yards. You want to talk about a wrinkle? Here's one of them. We kind of touched on it earlier. I expect the Bison after what Montana State did in the quarterback run game against Montana in the Brawl of the Wild. Touchdown Tommy Malott ran for 100 and I think 40-some yards against against 142. He put up 15 carries for a buck 42 against the Grizz. I expect Cam Miller or Cole Payton or maybe even both of them playing at the same time are going to have some rushing yards today. I think the quarterback run game will be a big deal. I think when you get that Delta stuff going on, all that motion, and you got Tameric Williams and Kobe Johnson, I think Kobe busts one. I think Kobe Johnson busts a big one because I think Montana is worried about that quarterback run game. I think the Bison exploit that. I think their defensive eyes start getting lost. I think some guys start getting out of place, and I think the Bison pop a big one. But I think the quarterback run game will be a very big part of the contest this afternoon. I think NDSU is going to want to impose their will very very early in the football contest. Pay attention to that. Early in the game from the opening kick through the first few drives, pay attention to what kind of push NDSU's offensive line is getting against the Grizz. Take a look at how well the Bison are blocking up that 3-3-5 front. We might see NDSU is very, very well schooled and very, very well coached in games. Look at that South Dakota State game for his Bad a taste is that left in our mouths in the second half. Early in the contest, 
the Bison had a great game plan. Jumping out to a two-score lead before they get down, first and goal at the five, get the personal foul, and Cole Payton throws the pick. Whole different ball game. Prior to that, North Dakota State had success throwing the football against one of the best defenses in the FCS. If Montana's thinking that they're going to come in, throw nine guys in the box, and dare the Bison to run, I expect you're going to see the Bison take some shots early. I think you're going to see some Zach Mathis, some Braylon Henderson, maybe even some Carson Hegerly. That's a dude that was impressive in fall camp. That's a guy, now that the playoffs have started, he's got four games. He has not played yet. It wouldn't surprise me at some point in this postseason if we saw the West Fargo native Carson Hegerly lining up at wide receiver for the Bison and having some nice catches. Rajon Nelson has been coming along. He had some, uh, and Jake Lippy. Jake Lippy's a guy seemingly on third down. You need a conversion. Who are you going to on a third and 12, third and 15? Jake Lippy, who had that nice one against Southern Illinois, or Zach Mathis. But I think watch, watch that. If it looks like early NDSU is pushing Montana off the ball, just like Montana State did to them in the brawl of the wild, it's going to be a very, very good day for the Bison. And don't get all freaked out if Montana does connect on a few home run 50-50 type balls early. We've seen that happen before in the Fargo Dome, Eastern Washington. They did it in the playoffs where Eric Berrier was running around doing whatever he wanted, throwing the ball up. I don't think they can sustain that over the course of an entire football game. If Montana's plan is we're just going to throw up 50-50 balls all day with Michael Tutsi back there, with Dawson Weber back there, with Don Jones back there in the Bison corners for as good as they've been all year, I don't think that's a formula for success if you're trying to rely thinking that your receivers are going to come into the Fargo Dome against one of the best pass defenses in the FCS. Destin Talbert, been there, done that playoff experience. Courtney Eubanks, Jaden Price. If their plan is just to sling it, I'm siding with the Bison defense. I feel very bullish on this one because I think, knock on wood, the radio table here, that really the only way Montana's going to stick around this contest is if NDSU beats itself. If they don't take care of the football, if they're not assignment sound and they allow some big special teams plays, if Montana can, their their whole goal is not to get railroaded and run over by the Bison in the first half. It's to play keep up with them. If the Bison score a touchdown, Montana's got to score. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Grizzlies offense not to get down by two scores. Because once you get down by 14 points or 17 points or 21 points to North Dakota State, especially in the first half, it's going to take them out of their game plan because at that point, Montana will be chasing points. They're going to have to rely exclusively on the pass, and Code Green can pin their ears back, getting after Johnson, knowing they have to throw the ball. So I expect Montana is going to place a big importance on trying early to match score for score with the Herd. Coming up next on Herd, it here with Swanee. We'll talk about the other FCS playoff matchups this morning, including a game down in Brookings, South Dakota, and a game on the Bison side of the bracket where they're going to get the winner of the Samford contest. We'll talk about that next, coming up on Heard It Here. If you can't get into the holiday spirit, that Christmas spirit, 
when you got the Bison starting another playoff run to Frisco. You got the Christmas lights going up around town, the Christmas trees, the holiday lights parade tonight. Downtown Fargo, 5 p.m. Maverick is super excited. He loves Christmas trees. He loves Santa. Uh, Baby Jesus, he tells me, Baby Jesus is his favorite Jesus. Three year old, three years old, three years old. Little, little early to explain baby Jesus and grown up Jesus, kind of the same dude, but it's absolutely adorable that daddy, my, my favorite Jesus is baby Jesus. We're at the uh, Thanksgiving parade in Watertown the uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, and Santa was riding on a fire truck. And Maverick, if, if you've got kids, you're familiar with Paw Patrol, and Maverick thought it was just the greatest that Santa was riding on Marshall's fire truck. Marshall's the fire dog on Paw Patrol. So we're excited, man. I'm in a good, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good spot mentally. Got the bison starting playoff run. We got a Christmas parade, holiday lights parade tonight. We got the USA World Cup action in Qatar, 9 a.m. against the Dutch, the Netherlands, the good guys, the Americans in the knockout round playing. So it's a great sports day. We got seven other FCS playoff games going on at 11 a.m. Former Bison, legends, icons, Gene, the mailman, Taylor, because he always delivers in his hiring of Chris Kleiman. Four years down there, you remember folks that were saying the Les Miles hire at Kansas? Oh, they outdid K-State, man. Les Miles, he's got a national title SEC experience, uh, and, and K-State got this this guy climbing from, from FCS North Dakota State. Man, how about them apples? Who's looking smart now? Gene Taylor looking like one of the smartest men or women in college athletics. They're playing in the Big 12 title game at 11 this morning. That's a, an early kick against TCU. And if Coach Kleiman, and he's got a bunch of other bison on his staff, Connor Riley, among them, a really good dude, former offensive line coach for the herd. If they win, you can bet two things are going to happen. One, a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of hugs on the sideline because Gene, uh, Coach Kleiman, and Gene Taylor like to to do that. They've been caught on camera, very celebratory. I don't blame them. I would too. Lots of tears, and the beverages will be flowing on the way back to Manhattan, Kansas, and in Dallas, North Dallas, Jerry's World, where that Big Twelve title game is. That would lock up a New Year's Day bowl game for the Wildcats. So best of luck to, to Gene Taylor and Chris Kleiman. Now, FCS playoff action around the horn. We've got North Dakota State, of course, 230 kick against the Grizz. Delaware and their high-flying offense, that'll be an interesting contest. Can the Blue Hens, who have no qualms about playing in colder weather, can they keep pace with South Dakota State? That's a 2 p.m. kick in Brookings. SDSU has not played a football game in in three weeks now. They've had the last two weeks off. They had a bye week two weeks ago. Their last regular season game of the year was a bye the same weekend that the Bison played North Dakota. Then they had a bye, of course, in the playoffs, just like NDSU did last week. So they're coming off a three-week hiatus. Will there be rust? Will they have their timing down? Are they going to be in game condition? We'll find out. The Blue Hens had an impressive 56-17 win last week over St. Francis. The winner of that game will play the winner of New Hampshire and Holy Cross. I don't think it matters for South Dakota State. I think they 
Someone asked me this week would I be surprised if Delaware hung with the Jacks. I would. I, I think this South Dakota State team is is hitting on all cylinders right now. Never say never in the playoffs. NDSU has had some close contests in early round games. A 2012 team had a close contest their opening round against Walford, a 14-7 win. We've seen South Dakota State come into the Fargo Dome and give the Bison all they can handle in a second-round game. I just don't think a Delaware team out of the CAA is going to go into Brookings, South Dakota. It might be tight early, maybe at the half, but I, I think as the game wears on, South Dakota State will start to pull away. The winner of that contest has New Hampshire and Holy Cross. Again, I think SDSU cakewalks all the way into the semifinals, whether they have New Hampshire excuse me, New Hampshire, Holy Cross in the quarters. You have Gardner-Webb at number five, William & Mary, another CAA team. The winner of that game has the winner of Weber State and Montana State. And, and maybe the most intriguing matchup of the weekend outside of Fargo, I think the Bison take care of business. I think that the most hotly contested game is going to be that Weber State game at Montana State. Their conference foes, they played in the regular season. Weber State is very well coached. They're very sound defensively. And that was the contest in the regular season where Weber State's long snapper lived in infamy by sailing four, four long snaps over the punter's head for safeties that allowed Montana State to win that tight contest. That game is in Bozeman at 2 o'clock. Winner of that game has the winner of Gardner-Webb and William & Mary, Southeastern Louisiana, the number six seed, excuse me, they're at the number six seed, Samford. The winner of that game, if North Dakota State chalk holds and they beat Montana, the winner of Southeastern Louisiana, who beat an Idaho team last weekend when Idaho missed a field goal at the end of regulation. Their kicker slipped. He slipped on the turf. Their head coach, Jason Eck, former offensive coordinator and herd hater, Good to see Idaho go down. Southeastern Louisiana at Samford, winner of that game. Presumably coming to the Fargo Dome. Furman at number seven, Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word's coach, Intrigue in San Antonio. Their head coach, it was announced a couple days ago, is leaving after this playoff run, much like Craig Bowl and his staff did in 2013 and Chris Kleiman and his staff did in 2018. Carnet Words head coach has taken off for FBS Waters at Texas State after this playoff run, and the winner of Furman at Incarnate Word will play the winner of Richmond at Sacramento State. Richmond last weekend, the CAA squad blanked Davidson 41-0. Can Sac State cure their playoff blues? Because they've been seeded before, and they've had early flameouts in the playoffs. So can Sac State get past Richmond to set up a matchup with Incarnate Word or Furman? And I think a lot of these games could go either way. This is one of those wacky, it's wacky, wacky years in the FCS where out of the seeded teams, I think about the only guarantees, nothing's a guarantee. You need to play well. You're in the final 16 teams. Even if you're playing a Gardner-Webb type team, or uh, Holy Cross, you got to show up. Holy Cross is the eighth seed, so maybe I should give them a break. But you got to show up. You're not going to, unless you're maybe a South Dakota State or a North Dakota State, you could you could maybe afford to play a, a little bit less than your A game in advance. The rest of these contests are really tight, and it would not surprise me to see at least four 
seeded teams go down today. It wouldn't surprise me if Sac State lost to Richmond. It wouldn't surprise me if Furman hung with Incarnate Word. It wouldn't surprise me if Southeastern Louisiana beat Sanford. It wouldn't surprise me if New Hampshire hung with Holy Cross. And it wouldn't surprise me if Gardner Webb took it to William and Mary. So I think there's a lot of good games that are going to be on this afternoon. I, I think what NDSU, what makes them so successful in the playoffs, this is someone asked me about this, um, about whether the Jacks have a shot to lose. I said, well, you know, of course you always do. You, you got to play the game. One of the things we haven't seen from this Jacks team, this is the first time they've ever been the top overall seed in the FCS playoffs. How are they going to handle that pressure? That they're the hunted instead of the hunters, that they're expected to win and they're expected to win handily. Keep in mind, these are 18 to 22, 23-year-old young men. This isn't professional football, so things happen on any given Saturday. That's what I'm curious to see unfold. Can SDSU carry the banner, carry the weight associated with being that top seed? Now, North Dakota State, why I don't worry as much about them, they're playoff tested. They've been on this stage. They've seen the bright lights before. Outside of true freshmen that are playing or that might play this afternoon, every single dude lining up on offense or defense for North Dakota State has played in a playoff football game before. And many of those starters and guys on the two-deep depth chart have been part of multiple playoff runs including runs to Frisco, Texas. So I don't think, I think what NDSU does so very, very well, the statistic we talk about every time NDSU comes off a bye week is this. After an open week, the Bison have won 38 straight games in the regular season, in the postseason. That streak includes 21 home games, eight road games, and nine championship games in Frisco, Texas. The Bison have not lost after an open week since October 2005, when they lost in Fargo 20 to 14 to UC Davis, the Bison are very, very well coached. They know how to prepare. When you give this staff two weeks to prepare for anybody, you talk about wrinkles. The Bison are going to do what the Bison are going to do in the trenches, especially on that offensive line. But when it comes to taking away something the other team does really, really well, if that's Montana's quarterback Lucas Johnson or scheming stuff up or making sure what the other team's strength is doesn't beat you, you give this Bison team two weeks to prepare, the results speak for themselves. And we've seen that in Frisco, Texas. Touchdown Tommy Malott last year, a lot made about him. I mean, he torched the Jackrabbits in the semis. NDSU had a couple weeks to prepare for him in Montana State. The Bison shut them, shut them down. And yeah, I know Malott was hurt first drive of the game, but offensively, I don't think it would have mattered. The Bison physically were just a much better football team. And as far as game plans go, that Montana State defense was the same group that lined up a couple weeks before against South Dakota State, and the Bison offensively just trucked the Bobcats' defense. So coming off of two weeks here, hiatus, I think North Dakota State's going to have something cooked up. I think you're going to see some stuff with with Cole Payton, with Cam Miller, and I think you're going to see some stuff in that uh, play-action game where they're going to take advantage of uh, the Grizzlies' focus on stopping the run. 
but I'm not as worried about this Bison team losing as 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 I am. I'm not worried about South Dakota State losing, but given this, and they've had playoff games and playoff runs before, but this is the first time they've got to deal with those high expectations where it's Frisco or bust. How is this staff, how are their players going to handle that? I know how the Bison are going to handle it. I know how the Bison are going to handle the hype and the expectations that anything other than Frisco is a failure. When you put the pressure on these guys and they have to deliver in the playoffs, what do they do? Man, they deliver. Even the form this morning in there, if you take a look at their game day previews where they go position group by position group and they give an advantage to one team. Now, conventional wisdom might say, based on the numbers that the form experts, Mike McFeely, Jeff Kolpak, Dom Izzo, Eric Peterson, and Logan Campbell, they do a great job, by the way. They did an excellent job covering the the, the team on, on TV this year and, of course, their content in the paper. Really enjoy following those guys. I would have thought that they would have given the nod as far as game day matchups to Montana's quarterback. They didn't. They gave it to Cam Miller. Why did they give it to Cam Miller? Because that dude is entering his third playoff run. Last fall, beats James Madison, played the better game, was the best quarterback on the field that day. Played Southern Illinois, Nick Baker, who was the best quarterback on the field that day. Cam Miller, they have to play against Eastern Tennessee. That was a tough one. In my mind, Eastern Tennessee State, physically, they they were, um, the Bison won that game 27-3. to The offense for Eastern Ten- East Tennessee State never really had a chance to get in the game. I was impressed with them, but Cam Miller, did what he needed to do that game and, of course, against Montana State, 38-10. to Then you go back the year before that against Eastern Washington in the Dome. The Bison played really, really well, and they dug that hole against Sam Houston down there in a, a quarterfinal game. But my point being, Cam Miller, this is his third playoff run that he's about to embark on. Montana hasn't had that. So if you got to pick one of the quarterbacks – I like Cam Miller in the Fargo Dome versus this much-hyped-up Johnson dude, Lucas Johnson from Montana. Coming up, we'll do game day predictions on Herd. It here with Swanee. Cheers to all you hearty folks getting after it at tailgating this morning, whether you're at the West Lots of the Fargo Dome. Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge, made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. You're tailgating there or other locales near the Fargo Dome, staying warm. Cheers to you, Mon Paswani and the Kirkites and the Borgesons and their tailgating friends who are not braving the 30 below weather. They're in a hotel lobby with the potluck tailgating this morning, staying warm. I'd I'd call you soft, but truth be truth be told, I was just telling Travis Dunn. Around the rink coming up, he'll recap UND's tough night against St. Cloud. They dropped dropped to the Huskies 7-2. to two. Coming up next, I was just talking with him during the break, and I would rather be inside tailgating on a day like today. The older I get, the less inclined I am to start cracking beers at 9 or 10 in the morning. I don't have that sort of stamina, and I have a 3-year-old, so it's not real conducive to, to tailgate like that in that weather than try to chase around to Mavisor for a few hours. But tis the season, Bison Nation, wherever you are, tailgate, and I salute you on the year. I really like the Bison game day predictions. I like the herd in this matchup. In the first half of games, quarter-by-quarter scores, check this out. In the first quarter of games, and this is kind of a flip 
versus what the Bison have done historically. In the first quarter, they're outscoring opponents 106 to 34. The Bison are very good in the first quarter in the first half. In the second quarter, the herd is outscoring their opponents 121 points to 67. The second half, for whatever reason, is a much different story this year. The Bison are, I say only in quotes, they're outscoring their opponents 98 to 48 in the third quarter. The interesting number that just jumps out and bashes you on the head like a frying pan in the fourth quarter, in a quarter that over the last 50, 60 years, the Bison have just owned. This season, they're only putting up 50, only 58 points in 11 contests. That's that's just a shade over five points per game. That is so bizarre. No one, no one's talking about that. I haven't seen that anywhere. If someone starts writing about it after this game, you can bet that they're they're listening to Heard It Here on 740 AM the fan every Saturday morning. The Bison have only scored 58 points in the fourth quarter all year in 11 football games. That's only five points per game average in the fourth. And their opponents, defensively, they're only giving up 42 points all year in the fourth quarter in 11 games. That's just four points a game. That's that's pretty good. You'll take that. But you would like to see, but for for comparisons, comparison purposes, if you take a look at let's let's just say the the 2019 Bison in the fourth quarter of football games, what they were doing against opponents, 141 points in the fourth quarter. They gave up 56, but they scored 141 points in the fourth quarter in 2019. In 2021, the Bison. So last year they scored 120 points in the fourth quarter, only gave up 36. So when you take a look at this season and you see that NDSU is only putting up 55 points in the fourth quarter, boy, that that jumps out. I think that's different today, though. I think the Bison offensive line and running game is just too much for Montana. I think Montana, they don't have the run game in that physical style that can keep up with North Dakota State. That's going to make them one-dimensional. It's going to force them to pass. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the best quarterback in the FCS, if you're Trey Lance and Easton Stick. If another, and I've said this many, many times, but it bears repeating today because it's relevant. If you're one dimensional and the other team's defense knows you can't run the ball and you're in a situation in the game where you have to throw it because you're trailing by a couple scores and you need points in a hurry. So a 12-play, 80-yard drive, seven minutes isn't going to get it done because time is your enemy in the second half when you're trailing by three scores. The other team's defense, they're going to let you run for four yards here, five yards there. They'll let you go down the field, take a seven-minute drive. So you got to throw the ball. And that's where any defense, but especially one as battle-tested as North Dakota State, some of those young defensive linemen are starting to play really, really well. We had talked about that this year, all year on Heard It Here you take a look at Spencer Wagey, All-American, one of the best defensive ends in the FCS. Loshika Roquez, he's starting to play really, really well. Mostert on the inside, Javier Darrett playing really, really well. The Mandan product, Jackson Dudenheffer, he's starting to play really, really well inside. Tony Pierce, will he be back playing today? Then you got Kayser, uh, Words, Kubitz, Kopp in the middle, uh, Ladarsik playing really, really well. And that back end, too. So I, I, if Code Green knows that Montana's throwing the ball, their quarterback's going to be running for his life. And he's not a mobile dude. He's not a dude that's going to run for for 60, 70 yards per game. I think the Bison tee off. I think it's a big day for Code Green. And I think it's a big day for the Bison rushing attack for a score 42 
to 14 hurt. I think the Grizz get a cheap one, but I think it's all Bison all day, 42 to 14. Stick around for Around the Rink with Travis Dunn. You stay warm out there, folks, and remember, the strength of the herd is the Bison, and the strength of the Bison is the herd.